Why is Sydney the most expensive marketplace in Australia? Why is it more expensive than Melbourne? Why is it more expensive than Adelaide? Why is it more expensive than Perth? Uh, Why is it more expensive than Darwin or Orange? Or why is it more expensive than Brisbane? Why? Very good question, right? And the answer to that riddle, of course, comes in the framework which I'm about to teach you, the seven drivers of community capital or community assets, right? So think about assets that a community has and then put a price on them. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show is a code cracker. We're going to dig into the power of community and what that means for you as a property investor. I'll tell you what, if it's your first time tuning into the show, welcome aboard. Play the show on double speed. Get your life back. And of course, all the episodes I've done are lessons on real estate. So go back, listen to some others. And I'll tell you what, we never know if the episode's going to be good until we get to the end, but I think today's show is a critical conversation piece. Community absolutely matters when it comes to real estate success. I think we all love being part of communities when we think about how our life works. What enriches our world is the idea of being connected to things, connected to community connected to other human beings. And really the idea of community is built off a couple of frameworks and I want to teach them to you today. Now I'm connected to a few communities. Uh, I want to give one a plug, the Bull Terrier Rescue Society. These guys do a great job. They look after bull terriers that need to find a home. So if you want to reach out to them, if you want a great dog, get a bull terrier. I've got a bull terrier. If you don't know what they are, Jump on to my dog's Instagram. Yes, Raffi has an Instagram account. It's called Raffi Fuddy Duddy. He'll accept you as a friend. He loves friends. And I'll tell you what, he's recently gone viral drinking a schooner of beer. Yes, who would have thought a beer drinking dog could actually go viral, but Raffi's done it. He's got uh, literally a bucket load of people liking his little drinking episode. So check him out. Uh, But today's episode is not about Rafi the drinking dog. It is about the idea that community is a massive part of real estate investment. Now, when you think about it, right, you buy a property, you've invested into that asset, and then you need to hope that one day someone is going to pay more for that property into the future or that someone is going to pay more for your street or your neighborhood. So if your neighbors are actually part of this puzzle, in other words, if your neighbors selling their properties influence the result on your growth, then community is absolutely a massive framework that we need to understand. Now, again, like if you're buying into an area where no one really cares about the neighborhood, then of course, one day, potentially your neighbors will sell and it may not be the price that you're hoping for. And of course, that 
could adversely affect your real estate. So when you think about it, community is a massive part of this puzzle. And I always teach there are kind of three pieces to the real estate world. There is the idea that real estate provides shelter to the marketplace. It provides accommodation. And of course, Australia is a great place to provide accommodation because there's a lot of tax perks. There's a lot of benefits. The Australian government isn't providing enough houses to the growing population and of course influences generally positively people to become property investors. It uh, annoys a lot of people that that's a thing but it's a thing. The next part of the real estate puzzle if you like is the idea that real estate creates communities and people live in those communities and those communities can be emerging, they can be growing, they can be Uh, communities which are tightly held. Real estate is connected to that. And of course, the final sort of piece of that puzzle is the idea that real estate is this slow moving machine, which is a storage of wealth. And most wealth today in Australia is stored in real estate. Real estate is sold on average every 12 years by someone to another person. So it is a massive, massive storage of wealth and it takes a while for it to change hands. And of course, one would argue the better the community, the longer it takes for real estate to actually change hands. And of course, this is one of the ideas around real estate, not only being shelter, but if the community is really, really, really going in the right direction, people are reluctant to leave, reluctant to put their real estate on the marketplace because fundamentally, where else are you going to go? Uh, And of course, that creates wealth, that creates a better storage effect of wealth. And so uh, when you think about how people I guess, connect with the world, one of those conversations is, do people actually love where they live? And of course, if people can find a place where they love to live, they're just going to pay more for it. And I think today, inside society, I mean, so many people are not living in their dream home, their dream suburb, their dream street. But for people who can afford it, they absolutely will pay more to live in their dream home, their dream suburb, their dream street. And when you think about how society unfolds, community absolutely matters. Now, I love teaching models inside of real estate and some of the models which I've taught on this podcast include the idea that today people love the concept of connecting to just about everything within 20 minutes and we call that 20-minute neighborhoods today, if you can sort of live, work, and play in a 20-minute neighborhood, you're probably going to find that there is a lot of attraction to that area when it comes to property sales. There are certainly a lot of areas today inside of society which are not 20-minute neighborhoods. They're too far to get around. They're not mobile. They're not connected to enough infrastructure to be classified as 20-minute neighborhoods. I also teach the principle today that livability is a big concept, right? And I've been teaching this for a very long time. I wrote about this before coronavirus came along, that today we need to buy investments where we can live, work, 
and play because of the evolution of how people are working. The tool today, if you like, for many people is the laptop. And as such, if people are going to work on their laptop, they're going to need to love their local community because they're going to rely on that community for more support than ever before. Today, I also teach the principle that if we are going to be property investors, we want mission fit capable places to link with the economies of tomorrow. We don't want to buy in a sleepy place which has no connection to the way economics is transforming. And I also teach another model. And today I want to talk to you about that model, which is really the driver's of community capital, the seven drivers of community capital. Now, when I mention the word capital, really the meaning, if you like, is assets, community assets. So think of it that way. Really, capital is just wealth in the form of assets. Now, I've got a question for you to try and explain this uh, as an education piece. Why Is Sydney the most expensive marketplace in Australia? Why is it more expensive than Melbourne? Why is it more expensive than Adelaide? Why is it more expensive than Perth? Uh, Why is it more expensive than Darwin or Orange? Or why is it more expensive than Brisbane? Why? Very good question, right? And the answer to that riddle, of course, comes in the framework which I'm about to teach you, the seven drivers of community capital or community assets, right? So think about assets that a community has and then put a price on them. When you think about Sydney, it's got the best community assets. So there are seven of them and I'm going to teach them to you. I'm going to go through it and we get to know them so you can make sense of why places become more expensive than others. And I think the Sydney example is a nice, easy one because I think most of the listeners tuning in would have come to Sydney and uh, probably understand that the median price of property today in Sydney is $1.4 million. I mean, it's double the price basically of, for example, Brisbane. Why? Assets. Community assets. So there are seven community assets. And again, I'm going to teach you from a macro level, but think about this when you go and analyze a suburb to invest in. This is a great framework to actually use. So the first one is the natural assets an area has. Now, when we think about Sydney, it's got Sydney Harbour, it's got like 37 beaches, they're all bloody good beaches. Its natural beauty is really second to none in Australia when it comes to its, uh, its, its look and feel. It's a beautiful place. Even when you think about the actual temperature in Sydney, it's got to be one of the best temperatures in the world. Like it gets four proper seasons. It's not too cold. It's not too hot. It's, it's, It's one of the ideal temperatures in Australia. And so from a natural point of view, Sydney would score and outscore certainly many other marketplaces. When you think of Brisbane, its natural beauty is the river, but it does not compete with Sydney Harbour. 
its temperature is subtropical. It does not uh, it does not compete with the four seasons that Sydney has to offer. So we often go, well, you know, Brisbane is half the price than Sydney, but it's half the price of Sydney for a reason. It's half the price because Sydney has better assets. This way it works. Now, I'm teaching you in this rhythm so you can sort of apply this to how suburbs work because really no one buys in Sydney. They buy in suburbs in Sydney. And again, when I look at my successful property investments, they follow the principle of community capital or community assets, the seven community capital frameworks. So the next one is cultural. Obviously, Sydney is the cultural home to a lot of stuff. Like rugby league is a cultural icon in Sydney. There is nine rugby league teams. It is a cultural game, which is really what Sydney is about, right? Cultural, it has so many different cultural things. It's got, obviously, it's art galleries. It's got history. It's got convicts. It's got the rocks. It's got, you name it, it's got it. And of course, uh, one of the reasons why the prices are the way they are is it's got very, very good culture. I recently invited some friends from Brisbane to Sydney and took them to Potts Point. They were like, holy cow, look at the history of this architecture, these beautiful buildings. They, They got it. They saw the cultural difference. The cultural difference is built into the price. Of course, what I'm trying to teach you is to understand these frameworks so when you're looking for real estate, you understand what community actually means. Remember, at a grassroots level, community is your neighbor selling and someone paying more for their property so you make equity. That's how it works. The next community framework or the asset that Sydney has is human beings. It's got some wonderful human beings. It's got some great schools, some great university. It creates intellectual humans that create money in the world. And as such, its human dynamic, if you like, is really, really good. And what I love about Sydney, if you like, living here is other humans. They are great to talk to. They are interesting people. They've got great opinions. They're going places. They're very driven. And again, like they work hard, they play hard. And as such, you've got this uh, humanistic almost way that people who are uh, good at what they do will earn more and of course that links to real estate when you think about sydney it is also a very social place there is so many social things you can be doing you there is not a dull moment in sydney on the weekend you can go bushwalking you can go to the blue mountains you can go literally drive you know out of the city and you're close enough to the ski fields. You can go surfing at 37 beaches in Sydney. Socially, you can go into the city. You can go into uh, quaint little villages that connect to the Sydney, places like Newtown and Paddington and Surrey Hills. Socially, we have plenty of places to connect with each other as human beings inside this city. 
Now, again, when you think about perhaps a small town socially, there's maybe not enough places for people to connect. So people, uh, even though they are quite friendly, can quite often have just less things to do. When there's less things to do, property values just aren't or is, aren't as expensive. Then we've got the financial assets that the community has inside of Sydney. Sydney has a lot of old money. It has a huge CBD. There are some of the best companies in the world that operate out of Sydney. It's financial well-being, it's financial capital, it's financial assets are incredible. They are double that of Brisbane. So why, uh, like that is why Sydney's property values are double the price. When we think about uh, the uh, community capital framework, this is how we link it again to where we're going to invest. And again, it's not to say Brisbane is uh, always like is, is an inferior place to invest. It's just showing you the difference. Now, again, no one invests in Sydney, they buy in suburbs in Sydney. No one invests in Brisbane, they buy in suburbs in Brisbane in streets in Brisbane. What I'm trying to teach you here is the difference so you can learn it, so you can use it. The next uh, category of the seven frameworks, if you like, is the built environment. You could be in the middle of the Sahara Desert uh, and run into a local and say you're from Sydney and they would ask you if you've been to the Sydney Opera House, the Sydney Harbour Bridge. The built environment is incredible. Now, take Brisbane, for example. It doesn't have an Opera House. It doesn't have a Sydney Harbour Bridge. And again, it's just got less assets. Brisbane, by the way, is doing something about that by engaging the Olympics. Like it's just won the Olympics. It's going to have some really cool built stuff and of course uh what that's going to do is transform the value proposition of brisbane so uh and i'm i'm just using brisbane as an example like i'm not trying to pick on one over the other i'm just showing you why sydney property prices are double the consensus is built into the price. Our job as a property investor is to use the Sydney effect and go and find a location, a neighbourhood that offers the seven frameworks. The final framework is the political framework, power. Uh, when, a, when a place uh, has a lot going for it, it's going to be better protected, it's going to be better served, people are going to want more things. It's going to get more of the taxpayer, I guess, uh, kitty. And it's going to obviously be continuously upgraded. And of course, Sydney is continuously upgraded. Uh, you know, you have many cities in New South Wales, but really Sydney is the one whereby governments have to make sure taxpayers are looked after and, of course, constantly are improving the political landscape or the framework of community through the political landscape here in Sydney. Remember, wealth in the form of assets, the seven drivers of community, that's what uh, you need to look for when it comes to choosing a place to invest. Now, when you think about it, right, there's been some rock star places that have skyrocketed in value of late. 
One of those places, which I'm sure, again, you're very familiar with, is Byron Bay. Let's examine this, you know, small township of 10,000 people, residents, and today it is one of the most expensive property markets in Australia. Why? Well, it's got natural capital, so its natural assets are second to none. Like, it's beautiful there. There's beautiful beaches, there's dolphins, there's places to surf, it's uh, natural ability to perform is amazing, right? And that's why it's expensive. If you look at its cultural ability, it's a cultural place. Like today, people who connect with a certain uh, way of thinking love Byron Bay. They move there because the human side of it, which is the next thing, like there are some really good human beings in that particular area. Like, I was speaking to a lady here in Sydney who lived in Byron and she was saying what she loved about living in Byron was the human engagement. People had opinions. People thought outside the box. And again, the human capital or the human assets of Byron uh, today are very, very strong. Obviously, from a social point of view, it's great. From a political point of view, a very protected place. Not a lot of development inside of Byron Bay. There's the odd thing being created, but very protected place. From a financial perspective, the township today is attracting a lot of money, a lot of brands, uh, a lot of international recognition, a lot of people with financial health. And of course, this pushes the property values up. And of course, the built environment inside of Byron Bay is uh, is something which it doesn't need to rely upon. It doesn't need, uh, you know, extra stuff. It doesn't need the Harbour Bridge to make it tick. Why? Because it scores so well, particularly from a natural, human and social perspective. So just a good way to, I guess, understand what I'm trying to convey, that if we're going to be a property investor, we need today more than ever before to consider community. It is a massive, massive principle of property investment. Why? Well, of course, we are now living in different times than potentially, you know, years gone by. It's very different to when our parents were growing up. Today, we are now connected to the idea of livability. Livability is just the principle that we quite often now need to live, work and play in the same neighborhood. And of course, if that neighborhood has the seven frameworks, which I have just explained, natural, cultural, human, social, political, financial and built, your in good hands when it comes to someone coming along into the future and paying more for real estate. Remember, real estate is an emotional sport. Those seven principles drive emotions. When people are emotional about real estate, they pay more for it. And I think, you know, really the the idea of new localism is here today. Coronavirus has kind of taught us just how much livable neighborhoods matter, how much community actually matters to the results of real estate. Now, today, uh, when it comes to property investment, I mean, I love using the seven frameworks. When I look at the real estate that I own, 
it's got the seven frameworks. And I can give you an example. Uh, today, I own real estate in Manly, like basically the local government area of Manly. When you think about Manly, it's got great natural areas. Like it is a place inside of Sydney, which is just one of the best beaches in Sydney. So it gets a massive natural score. Like it, like no wonder people pay more for properties and all want to live in this place because of its natural beauty. It's cultural beauty. It's got great culture. It's got uh, a great surfing culture here in Manly. So people pay more for it. It's got great human beings. Like uh, what I love about Northern Beaches is you get this kind of blend of all sorts of people coming together and, you know, it's quite earthy in a way. I know that sounds weird, but also people are very intelligent. People do big jobs. There's lots of, you know, knowledge workers inside of Manly. There's lots of, uh, you know, great workers that use the CBD inside Manly. So it scores, it's human being, human beings, if you like, is very, very important to the result you get from the uh, the results in real estate. Now think about human beings, right? Often we don't realize that real estate is a humanistic uh, sport that if we're going to buy real estate where humans are kind of drongos, like are people really clamoring over the top of someone else to live in that neighborhood? And gentrification happens, like obviously understand gentrification happens over time, it happens over a long period of time. And sometimes it is good to understand that a place is changing and new people are moving in and to be part of that wave is a way to create money out of real estate. When uh, I guess less impressive people are pushed out of a community and more impressive people come into a community, this is a way to make money out of real estate. And I know I probably didn't articulate that as politically correct as it sounds, but that's the way it works. Today, we look for these kind of humanistic uh, people moving to a place. Are they are they adding value to a neighborhood or are they detracting in a neighborhood? If you go to a neighborhood and, you know, someone's sleeping in a shopping trolley and, you know, there's, there, you know, it's just, it looks dangerous to walk down the street and you go to a place and, you know, there's 30 sets of traffic lights to go through the area. You can get the vibe that it's just not quite right, right? People aren't going to clamor to buy in that marketplace and pay more for property over time. So again, when I look at my portfolio, like it's very much driven by community first, and community is the natural community, the cultural community, the human community, the social community, the political community, the financial community, and the built community. What's happening uh, in that space? I own a property in New Farm. New Farm is a great example. It's got natural beauty. It's got the Brisbane River. It's got a great uh, cultural scene. People love hanging out in New Farm. It's got awesome humans that, again, are earning a good level of income uh, they they are quite professional when it comes to how they approach protecting New Farm. Uh, it's a great social scene. There's things to do. There's Howard Smith Wharf. There's 
uh, you know, James Street. There's, you know, Fortitude Valley next door. There's awesome things going on from a social perspective. From a political perspective, a very protective heritage-listed place. From a financial perspective, Brisbane CBD, literally walkable. And from a built environment, it's got some cool stuff. It's got like a walkway which you can walk from New Farm into Brisbane CBD. It's got, as I mentioned, Howard Smith Wharf. It makes sense. So again, like a cool way to analyze real estate is using this model of understanding how communities form. And again, like communities matter, right? Like people, if they love where they live, they're going to stay longer and store more wealth in that neighborhood. If they do not like where they live, they're likely to sell up and leave. It's just the way it kind of works. So again, like if we go through all seven, built capital is just the idea that a suburb might have really good things on offer, great schools, uh, great infrastructure, it might have train stations, it might have good road systems. Built capital is important to how a community functions. Then you've got obviously financial capital, which is just the idea that the human beings in that particular place can connect to jobs, they can connect to financial well-being. It's within their radius, if you like. Then you've got obviously cultural capital, which is just the idea that there is uh, things that are inclusive in a place that are culturally uh, vital to an area. If you think of uh, the cultural capital of Manly, it's like it's got a lot of cultural capital. Like it's like people recognize it for what it is, a great beach, a great surf place. And that in itself means the consensus of people buying into that area have to pay for it. They have to pay more for it because it offers culture. I own a, a property in Collingwood. It's a completely different type of culture than Manly. Uh, the cultural capital of Collingwood is, is you know, cool bars and you know, underground um, stuff, which, you know, you need to knock on a door three times to, and say the magic word to get into, um, you know, the, the cool uh, underground bar. It's got great music culture. Culture, it matters. It forms capital growth. That's kind of how it works. Uh, human capital is just the, the principle that, you know, people today, if they're... Uh, you know, if they're smart, they're going to provide uh, more of an economy to a place. And again, you can use studies of smart suburbs. Smart suburbs, people earn more, so there's a correlation of property values increasing. Obviously, natural capital, just the idea that the environment provides something. And today, natural capital is something that everyone wants. Like, livability connected to natural capital so important and it's something i look for when i'm deal making like i'm always looking for a cheeky park across the street from the property i'm putting together or a cheeky little bushland you know today green space and blue space or or you know beaches lagoons waterways harbors estuaries rivers um you know if they're positioned right adds so much value to to real estate. And again, 
Today, off the back of the way society is refunctioning or re-spatializing, natural space is is in hot demand. And, uh, you know, my clients would attest, I mean, I, I do deal briefings with my clients like every two weeks. Every two weeks, I'm like, this one, the park is across the street. Like you are literally got a third place next door to you. Why? Why am I doing that? Because natural... Uh, capital is an asset to real estate. That's just the way it works. Obviously, social capital, things to do. I mean, what's there to do in a place on a weekend is a critical question. Now, when you think about social capital, this is probably one of the biggest drivers of how real estate grows in value. One of the social capital uh, things that you could consider is like clubs, schools, uh, you know, um, uh, sporting teams, uh, social capital is where people meet, where people bond. And if a society or a suburb has more places for people to bond, then uh, there is more trust built. And when there's mutual trust built, the actual suburb becomes more and more valuable. Now, again, I'll just use, I'm using examples like Manly because, again, I think, I'm hoping most listeners have, you know, come to Sydney, got on the Manly Ferry and gone to Manly, right? So I'm trying to give you properties that I own in places which kind of makes sense. Um, and so great social capital. If you come to Manly, you'll see there's uh, surf clubs, life-saving clubs. There's um, literally rugby clubs, there's rugby league clubs, there's sporting clubs, there's running clubs, there is schools, there is social connection on the weekend, there is social connection throughout the week. And as such, the community bonds together and a community that bonds together stays together and a community that stays together, then you see a correlation in how often people sell. And then all of a sudden people don't sell, but people want to come to that community and you get this conversation that people will pay more for the real estate one day. It may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen next week, but it will happen. And that is what we need to look for when it comes to community. Of course, then you've got the political conversation around the community and a lot of the best communities are very politically driven in the context that people care about what transportation's like. People care about uh, how much green space is protected. People care about the environment in those neighbourhoods. People go to public forums. People participate in uh, what that looks like. And I always have this saying, right? Rich people love being rich. And the best way for rich people to be rich is to make sure they're active in protecting their local community. And uh, that's just the way it works, right? So if we can understand how to uh, look into real estate and understand how to use these principles, you're going to make money. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And of course, there are some pretty cool, uh, easy ways to do this today. You can use, for example, microburbs. That'll tell you pretty much uh, a couple of the community assets that are available in a suburb. For example, its affluence score, 
its safety score, its convenience score, its tranquility score. These are community framework scores for uh, the particular suburb. It's a good little website. I think a nice easy one just to at a glance on the back of a beer coaster look into a neighbourhood. Again, what we're looking for is this, why is Sydney more expensive than Melbourne? Why is Sydney more expensive than Hobart, Brisbane, Perth? because of its community assets. How do we drill down into a local dynamic around that? And of course, good communities, when you think about it, they're proud, they're inclusive, they're effortless, like there's just so much on. They're all about humans. They're all about people. They're all about being sticky places. They also evolve. They don't stop improving. And they are attractive places when you go through them you notice it you go wow this that's a really nice area like I can see why people live there as opposed to places where you're like how do I get the hell out of here this feels weird and dangerous remember you know quite often we analyze this with tangible stuff like how walkable a suburb is or it's public amenities or it's schools or it's Uh, public transport or its health facilities or its restaurants and cafes and parks and recreational facilities. But what I'm trying to give you today is actually what's beneath that, what the real framework of what that looks like uh, from uh, from a principal perspective, right? And when you think about it, if you want to analyze real estate, One really good way is to think about that if a neighborhood is constantly improving, where locals actually like giving feedback on the community, uh, they rave about it online, uh, they'll give it like five-star reviews on chat rooms, um, where they are loyal to the actual area and they see this continuous evaluation and improvement effect of their local community they stick around and they add so much value to real estate community add so much value to real estate and again i think it's critically important to understand if you're going to be a property investor you're investing in community you're investing in your neighbors Your neighbours matter because the day they sell and they may have different goals and and plans to you, the day they sell matters because, again, if they can attract a really good price for their property and it's very similar to your property, similar street, similar neighbourhood, similar product type, you're going to do very, very well. And again, this is how you see people buy a property and one day someone comes along and pays more for that property. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the show. I will catch you next time on The Urban Property Investor. Thanks for tuning in to The Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of The Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.